Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. If you were here, um, if you were here for the September training, you know that on the spot it got changed. We were actually going to be taking a look at this last month, but um, we didn't do it because I felt the Holy Spirit just change things up on me in the moment after being prepared to teach this and the media team having it all ready and even having the, the handouts printed out and everything ready to go. Uh, I trained you on obeying the Holy Spirit rather than always just doing what you plan. I don't know if that helped anybody, but that's a very important uh, lesson to learn. It's good. It's good to have a plan, but it's even better. Glad to see Joe. You good? All right. <laughs> it's even better to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to follow. But tonight, I feel like we are going to do this one. So who's ready to be blessed with vision? Come on, say, I'm blessed with vision. Come on, punch your neighbor and say, you're blessed with vision. If you're not, you're going to get blessed with vision tonight because vision is a blessing. So, uh, again, you have your handout. We're going to have some stuff on the screen for you. And uh, at the end of the teaching, we're going to have a time of activation uh, in our small groups, in our tables. But one more time, come on, say, blessed with vision. When you think of being blessed, what comes to mind? I think when God blesses you or you see somebody that's blessed, what comes to mind? What? Good things. Prosperity. Peace. Health. Hmm? Provision. Very good. Joy. Very, very good. I think of food for sure. That's why we say the blessing when we're about to eat. You better be saying the blessing. But I don't know if you've ever thought when you think of being blessed, that having vision is a blessing, okay? Having vision is a blessing. Come on, say, vision is a blessing. So I'm, we're going to talk tonight about vision in general, a vision from God, and then we're going to talk about our vision uh, as a ministry, as a church family, the encounter vision, okay? And I want to start with sharing a little bit of... Um, sort of what led us to the vision that we have as a church. Many of you have heard this. Uh, some of you have not. And for the sake of those that have never heard it, everybody else is going to have to listen to it again. So um, many of you know that back in 2008, at that time after I had been um, about eight years as a missionary in Chihuahua, Mexico, I was living in Las Cruces, New Mexico, in a little apartment, uh, not married yet. And I remember... Uh, it was actually just maybe a few months before Liz and I got married. Uh, salud. Bless you. Okay. Just before Liz and I got married, I, uh, I had one of the most vivid encounters with Jesus. Uh, and I'll never forget it. And it was one of those times when you're... Have you ever had a, a dream right before you wake up? When you're almost awake, but you're still kind of halfway asleep? 
And those are sometimes the dreams that you remember the most. And this was a, the, a moment when I was starting to wake up and going back to sleep and waking up. I was snoozing, right? And I had a very vivid dream. And in the dream, this is one of, of uh, three times in my life where I can say I heard the audible voice of God. One time was in Mexico, and I was awake for that one. Literally, I just heard him speak out in my house. And all he said was my name, which was interesting. Hunter. That's all I heard. It was like, I even went outside to see, was somebody looking for me? That's it. The other two times happen in, in like this type of dream. When you're about to wake up, but you're not quite awake. It's such a vivid dream. And all I remember from the dream was Jesus. It was him speaking. All he was doing was talking to me. And I could feel the presence of Jesus, like that holy, um, that, that, that presence that comes that makes you like, you just want to weep, right? And all I remember him saying audibly was, your main calling is to lead people into an encounter with me. If you, this is what he said, if you lead people into an encounter with me, I'll do the rest. That's all he said to me. And I woke up. Your main calling is to lead people or to help people have an encounter with me, Jesus, right? If you'll do that, if you'll just lead people to encounter me, I'll take care of the rest. And we all know what the rest is, saving people, delivering people, healing people, all that, right? So that, uh, from that time on in my life, that has been the focus of, of, of my life. I had been in ministry uh, full-time for about nine years. And uh, this is my 25th year in full-time ministry. And this continues to be the focus of what I know God's called me to do. Hence, well, let, let, let me back up a little bit more. We actually built a youth ministry based on this dream. <laughs> uh, everything we did, the youth ministry already had a name uh, in our church. It was called Momentum Youth Movement. And, uh, but we began to build, Liz and I got married, and we began to build Momentum Youth Movement all around this thing that we called the encounter, okay? Uh, we did encounter retreats, and we did everything. Everything we did was to try to help young people uh, have an encounter with God. And uh, what happened was really amazing. Um, I guess you could say we experienced a local, sort of small-scale, but really genuine revival, uh, we saw a, a group of young people get really touched and transformed by God and get on fire. And the youth in our church became the, the strength, the force of our church there uh, in, in Las Cruces. And that revival that we experienced around the encounters with Jesus produced disciples who we trained as leaders who eventually, this was not the plan, but it was God's plan, eventually those young people who had been in middle school, high school, and college who had these powerful encounters with Jesus, went through this time of revival with us. We trained them as leaders. They were leaders in our youth ministry, and then all of a sudden God gave us the vision to plant a church, and they became the leaders who moved across the country with us in 2014 to plant Encounter Church. Hence, we named the church encounter church because it's all about helping people encounter God. In fact, I want to, if you were part of MYM, stand up. Those that were part of the Momentum Youth Movement, okay? All right. So, yeah, stay standing, all right? 
So we have the apostles here. We have the Elizalde, they were a part. Uh, Will and Sarah were a part. Colleen was a part. Caleb and Bree were a part. Uh, you guys can sit down. Thank you. Um, who else? Help me. Zeke. Some of you guys remember them. Zeke, Monique, Ashley, Robert, uh, Aaron, Rebecca, Jonathan, Alicia, and Alex, who, by the way, next week are moving back here. <laughs> yeah. Um, New Mexico was too dry. They had to come back. All right. Um, who am I missing? Who else? Who else? Who else was part? Mo. Mo. Um, obviously, Liz and I. Bree and Caleb. Yeah, I said Ashley. Anyway, us. A few more. 22 of us. Okay, 22 of us, including our kids. And uh, at that moment, only Juliana and Diana had Sophia, and we only had Anna, right? But it became um, a movement that became a church planting team. We moved here, and uh, the rest is history, right? All right, I'm going to talk to you more about vision, but before I get into that, I'm going to give you a little bit more of this, okay? I want you to say, different, relevant, authentic. Write that down. That's not on the screen. That's not on your outline. Different, relevant, authentic. Something so important about vision. Um, I love the way Pastor Align says it. He's our main uh, apostolic partner down in Cuba, planting churches. Uh, he uses this phrase, different, relevant, authentic. It's something that I've kind of adopted a while back as... This is what I want to be and the way I want our ministry to be. This is kind of what defines if you really are moving with a vision from God. And, and that's that this, uh, if, if, you, if you copy somebody else's vision, then it's the same. It's right. And, you know, Julian dresses very well. But his clothes wouldn't look good on me. I mean, they might. But he's authentically him. I'm authentically me. If he wore my clothes and I wore his clothes, I mean, it might be okay, but we might look a little strange. And it probably wouldn't jive, right? And unfortunately, a lot of churches are in the business of copying the best churches. Because there's a lot of great churches out there. There's a lot of great churches in this great city. But we don't want to copy what other church. If we do what every other church is doing, what are we offering? That what are we offering? We might as well just all go to one that already has that. So we want to be different, not for the sake of being different. We don't want to be different to say we're different. We want to be different because God has made us different. We're not the same as the church down the road or the biggest best church in town. We're us. We're different. Which, makes, uh, which can make us relevant, okay? Why? Because specifically as a church family, we possess something that is relevant that we can give to our community and to our culture, right? It needs to be relevant, but it also needs to be authentic. We can't fake it. It's got to be real. One of the things I, hey, we're celebrating the things I love about Encounter Church, right? One of the things I love so much about Encounter Church is we are authentic. This is an authentic group of people. This is an authentic family. 
We ain't trying to be like nobody else, right? And what we're trying to do, what we're attempting to do with the very best of our ability is this, to go with the vision God has given us. Not to emulate someone else's, that we can be inspired by other churches, by other ministries, by other people, but we are responsible to get a vision from heaven and execute it and run after it, right? So what makes us different, relevant, and authentic is that we're just trying to obey the vision God gave us, okay? Come on, say it. Blessed with vision, different, relevant, authentic. Now, I want us to go to a couple of scriptures here, and I want, I'm going to have you guys uh, participate a little bit in this. This is going to be Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to read it in a couple of uh, different translations, and I want you to pick out important words or themes. How about we read it together? Ready? Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. All right, very good. Let's go to the NLT, no, Amplified, okay? Ready. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. Okay, so we're talking about heavenly vision. The Amplified describes it as prophetic vision, not just let's get a vision of what we want to get done, right? No, a vision that comes from God. Heavenly vision or prophetic vision is so important. Now, what happens to a group of people, to an individual, and to a group of people when there's no vision from heaven? What happens? Okay, perish, what, what was another word that was used? Unrestrained, okay? So what happens, it's like a car that all of a sudden, the steering wheel disappears. Can you imagine driving down the highway and all of a sudden you are steering wheelless? What's going to happen? Well, the car is going to become unrestrained. In other words, it's going to go wherever it wants, not where it's supposed to go, and you're going to perish, probably, right? So what ends up happening is so many times individuals, now we're talking about the people of God, okay? I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking tonight about the people of God. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. If we don't have a vision from heaven, if we don't have a vision from God, we begin to become unrestrained. We begin to go here and there and elsewhere and everywhere and really end up going nowhere. And if you do that long enough, it's going to hurt you, right? You will not fulfill the dream, the plan, the vision God has for you. But what does it say about the people of God when we have vision from heaven? Happy and blessed. Very good. I don't know about you, but I'd prefer happy and blessed over unrestrained and dead. Right? I'd prefer happy and blessed. That's better. So. Let's learn a little bit more about vision. Habakkuk 2. This is probably 
the most uh, commonly read scripture when we teach about vision, because it tells us a lot about vision. Again, specifically, we're talking about divine vision, heavenly vision, prophetic vision, vision from God, not just an idea I got that I want to go after, right? Okay? And let me, let me just say it. I know I've been saying this over and over again, but let me just say, God has a vision from heaven for you. And he has a vision from heaven for us. That's right, for you. <laughs> God has a vision for you. The point is that we need to see it. You've got to see it. So how do we get it? And what do we do with it? Come on, say, how do I get it? What do I do with it? All right, so this is Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. And... What I will answer, or, or, or what I will answer concerning my complaint. The Lord answered me. He will answer you. <laughs> Write the vision. Make it plain. Okay? On tablets. It's funny, they used to write on tablets. Then we went to writing on paper, and now we're back to tablets. But make it plain on tablets so he may... Run who reads it. It doesn't say so that he may read it and teach it. It says that so he may run who reads it, right? For the vision, uh, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. You ever felt like something was so slow that it, must, it just wasn't going to come? If it seems slow, wait for it. It's actually not delayed. We just think things ought to be faster, right? A few things about, uh, about this. First of all, it says that he says, I'm going to take my stand. And the other versions say, I'll climb up to my watch post. Let's go to the beginning of that scripture again, if we can. Um, Chapter 2, verse 1. I'll take my stand at my watch post. Watch post. Does anybody know what that is? Watch post represents the place of prayer. It's the place where we go. He's, Habakkuk is calling out and it literally says he's complaining to God. <laughs> what are you going to do, Lord? What are you going to do about the situation we're in? And God answers his complaint. Okay? This is the deal. We need vision from God, not just good ideas. And the only place we're going to get vision from God is if we live in the place of prayer. Heavenly vision comes to those who pray. Listen, most of the time I get vision from God when I least expect it. But it always happens because I've been praying. A lot of times it doesn't come like, okay, let me see right now. Sometimes you see right now. But a lot of times I'm just in my place of prayer, fasting, Seeking God, living my life in the place of prayer, and all of a sudden I'll see stuff. It's almost like there was a veil that separated me from God's realm and what he, what he says and what he sees, right? And all of a sudden it's like, like the curtain is pulled back and you can see, right? But that only comes if you live your life in the place 
of prayer. We have to be watchmen. We have to be on our watch post in the place of prayer to get vision from God so that we're not just trying to get good ideas and do them and hope God will bless them, right? Good ideas are good, but vision is better. And I'm not saying God won't bless our good ideas, but God blessing our good ideas is good, but actually us getting a vision from God and doing it is better, right? Okay. So another, uh, another thing I see here is that he, God wants Habakkuk to make the vision plain and simple. Plain and simple. So plain and simple that someone who's running by can read it and keep going, right? So that the runner may read it, okay? So that the runner, so that he who runs may read it. Okay, so this is where sometimes it gets complicated because I gave you a little bit of the story. But that story is encapsulated in four words. Helping people encounter God. Fast. Simple. It needs to be plain and simple. Why? Why does a runner need to read it? Because obviously Habakkuk was not to keep the vision to himself. When there's a vision from God for his people, it needs to be spread. It needs to be, it needs to, it needs, it needs to multiply, you could say. It needs to be received and then spread throughout the people. But if it's not plain and simple, that won't be possible. People are not going to learn something complicated and run with it. Right? We need something that's plain and simple that we can run with. And not only that, that a runner could deliver to someone else. Okay? Vision needs to be able to be delivered by a runner. Okay? Because th- this, is, this is kind of what we read here. I'm going to read it again. So he may run who reads it. Plain. So he may run who reads it. Something that can be retained by someone who's running. And this is where we come in. We don't need teachers. We need runners. We don't need people who can just explain the vision, but people who can inspire others to run with the vision. We need people. We need to be people, the people of God, a family, a church, disciples that not only know God's vision for us and for our church, right? And that could sit down and teach a class on it and explain it to someone. Which, I don't know about you, but a lot of times explanations don't do much for me. What does the most for me is when I see somebody running with it. When I see somebody who's caught something and they're running with it. And they could tell me plain and simple, this is what it is, right? We need to become runners 
not teachers. That's not to say that amongst us there aren't teachers. There are teachers, right? I'm teaching you right now. But the point of it is we all need to be people who inspire, not just explain. People who are running with a vision and who pass it along to others like a baton, right? Vision should be so clear and simple that you could share while running or pass it on like a baton, like in a relay race, right? Come on, say, I'm a runner, not a teacher. And again, you may be a teacher, but you first need to be a runner. I know this is not proper English, but say this with me. I'm an inspirer, not an explainer. One more thing that we read from Habakkuk, and then we're going to get a little bit into our vision. Then I'm going to give you time of activation because you guys are going to practice. Come on, say slow is not slow. (laughs) Come on, say slow is not slow. That's the thing about heavenly vision. When you receive a vision from God, it comes from his dimension and his timing. (laughs) In our frail humanity, we apply it to our timing, which, especially in our modern-day culture, it's now, right? Fast, microwave, high-speed Wi-Fi. But that's not the way it works. God's vision is going to come into pass in God's timing. Slow is not slow. It will not delay. Okay? So, patience is required to run with the vision of God. This is a long distance run, not a sprint. Right? This is a long distance relay race, not a sprint. So let's just get that in our hearts and in our minds. That it may seem slow, but slow is not really slow to God. Okay? We just got to keep running. So going back to our vision for Encounter Church. I, I, I teach you this tonight because Maybe you've asked, why discipleship groups? Why do we do discipleship groups? And why are our small groups called discipleship groups? And why do we focus on discipleship in our small groups and other churches do it differently? Good question. I'm glad you asked. What's all this with networks? Why do we have Encounter Women and Encounter Men and Wake and Loud Youth and our Spanish network and Encounter Kids and maybe my other networks that are going to be born? Why do we have networks? Why do we have monthly network meetings? I'm glad you asked. Why are we doing Encounter Leadership School that I'm so stinking proud of the 18 students going through Encounter Leadership School right now? We are eight twelfths through. Three, two thirds. Three fourths. (laughs) Two thirds. Through, right? And they're all doing great. But why do we do ELS? I'm glad you asked. Why do we have Wednesday prayer? Why do we do fasting and prayer certain times of the year? I'm glad you asked. Why do we even have Sunday services? Because if the answer is because that's what all churches do, then that's the wrong answer. I'm glad you asked why we do outreaches. Why do we do movies at the park and pumpkin spice and s'mores and... Why? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Why do we 
why do we talk and do so much stinking missions? Why, why in the world are we feeding kids in Cuba and discipling kids and planting churches in different countries around the world? Why? Why are we partnered with Surge that plants churches around the world? Why do we go on mission trips? We've got 32 people going on a mission trip in December. Why? I'm glad you asked. I'll give you the answer. You want to know the answer? You know the answer. I'm going to break it down for you, but you know the answer. The answer is four words. So we can help people encounter God. That's the answer. That's the vision. Helping people encounter God. That's what God called us here to do. That's what we want every single thing we do to be the aim, okay? To help people encounter God. Every outreach we do, every mission trip we do, every time we have a discipleship group, every time we have a Wednesday training, every prayer meeting, every service, every encounter retreat. I didn't put that one. Why do we do encounter retreats? I'm glad you asked. Why? Because we want to help people encounter God. That's the reason for everything. That, would, that we could call that the what, the what? Come on, say the what. The what. The vision is the what, right? It's the what, okay? Helping people encounter God. But how about the how? How about the how? Now, that's another buzzword that we often use. Vision is one word. The other word is mission, okay? Some people say mission, vision are interchangeable. I like to say the vision is the what. The mission is the how, okay? Who knows our mission, it's also, it, this one's just three words. How do we help people encounter God? There's three sort of categories of that. Reach, disciple, revive. Very good. Reach, disciple, and revive. Okay, you could call this our mission. This is the how, okay? Now let me just go through this a little bit to answer some of your questions. How do we reach people? Well, there's a lot of things, but let me give you some very specifics. The reason why we do the things we do. We aim to reach people through our networks. Because a lot of times ladies reach ladies and men reach men and youth reach youth and kids reach kids and Spanish speakers reach Spanish speakers and college students reach college students. It doesn't always happen that way. I've reached people that aren't, that aren't the same as me. But typically speaking, we reach people that are kind of have something in common with us. And so the point of the nets, the point of the networks are to better reach people, to bring new people in. We have a network meeting every month and we organize everything according to our networks because we want it to be a, a net to reach people, to bring people in, right? And I've been pleased to see through the networks new people coming in and we ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. How else do we reach people? Well, obviously, when we do outreaches, <laughs> and obviously when we do missions, mission trips, it's all about reaching people, okay? That's not to mention you just simply living your life to reach the people around you. I'm just talking about what we do at church, okay? If we live our lives to reach the people around us, we'll bring them into our nets, right? so that we can do the next part, which is disciple, right? Jesus hasn't called us just to reach people and make believers, but to make disciples, to really make followers of Jesus. Why do, uh, 
what's the other reason we do the nets? Because it's typically better and easier for men to disciple men and women to disciple women. And young people tend to disciple other young people. The reason we have the networks like that is because it helps make discipleship more doable. Okay? And as a part of your, our nets, we have the discipleship groups, right? Encounter Men has discipleship groups. Encounter Women has discipleship groups. There are discipleship groups in Spanish. There are young adult and college discipleship groups. There are youth discipleship groups. There are even kids' discipleship groups, okay? And the reason we do discipleship groups is because to, it's better to disciple people in small groups. Where do we get that example from? Jesus. Very good. He discipled a small group. Also, why do we do ELS? I'm going back through everything I said, right? Because we want to make disciples. We have to train disciples so that they can not only be good disciples, but make more disciples. That's the whole point of Encounter Leadership School is to turn disciples into leaders. That leaves us with prayer and services. I I said, why do we do all these things? I've talked nets, outreaches, missions, discipleship groups, ELS. How about prayer and services? Because we want to be a place where the Spirit of God is poured out. Revive, right? We want to be a place where God can move and truly send a revival to our city, right? Call this the result. Helping people encounter God is the what? That's right. The vision, the what. Reach, disciple, revive is the mission, the how. The result, I really believe, will be revival. It's what we're after. It's what I'm living for. And slow is not slow. It's what we're here for. It's what we're, the reason we're doing our church, to see our city and beyond revived. And that is something God wants to do. And even if it seems slow in coming, it's not slow. It won't delay. We have to keep doing it. We have to keep walking with the vision. We have to keep executing the vision and the mission to the best of our ability. One more thing, and we're going to do a quick activation. We're going to have time for a long one tonight because it's already, already time. In fact, I'm going to just change the activation tonight since we're running out of time. If you've been part of the E-Force huddle in the past month, you've learned a sort of a refreshed version of our chant, right? If you're not part of the E-Force, you should join the E-Force. What's the E-Force? The Encounter Force. It's the force. It's the people that make everything happen, right? It's everyone who serves from making the coffee to teaching the kids to singing on stage and everything in between all that, right? They say something. I'm not going to go through the whole chant. If you join the E-Force, you'll be a part of the huddle one Sunday, and you'll, you'll say the whole chant. But there's four things that I call the actions, right? The actions. We got the vision, the, the what, helping people encounter God. We got the mission, the how, reach, disciple, revive, right? And we talk through um, the reason we do services and prayer and ELS and discipleship groups and networks and all that. 
It's to reach, disciple, and revive. That's the reason we do all of it, right? But what are, I guess you could say, this is what we do together as a family, as a whole, all right? I bet the E-Force knows this. We reach people, make disciples, multiply leaders, and plant churches, right? We don't have that one on, on, in media, right? Do we have that one? Ah, we reach people, Let's do that one more time. We make disciples as we reach more and more people, we're going to need to make more and more disciples. As we make more and more disciples, we're going to need to multiply them into leaders. And as we do, this church that started as a church plant will plant other churches. In fact, we're already talking about it. Okay? I believe that in, in, in 2024, which will be our 10th year as a church, I think, I really believe this from the Lord, that by, we're celebrating nine years this Sunday. By the time we're celebrating 10 years, we're going to be talking about a church plant about multiplying our church, okay? We didn't come here to do one. We came here to do many. It's been prophesied over us that we would plant a church that plants churches. Churches locally, churches internationally, all right? We're already helping to plant churches internationally. We need to do some local ones too, right? Come on, let's do it one more time. We reach people, make disciples, multiply leaders, plant churches, and we believe that the result of all of this, we can put it back up there, is that revival will, will, will come to our city and beyond. Amen? I don't know if you knew that that's what we were all about, <laughs> but now you do. If you're a part of the Encounter family, that's our vision. That's our mission. That's what we're after. You may become part of a church plant team one day. Why are y'all looking at me like that? All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.